says, Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things. So our first one was uh, remember them in moral support. Second one was prayer support. Last night was logistical support. Tonight we're talking about communication support. It's the theme of the year, but it should be our goal. Our goal should be to remember our missionaries. Not just send them out and forget them and send them a check every month. Remembering our missionaries is more than just forgetting who they are. Rather, as in the scripture, the word remember means to be mindful for, mindful of. And tonight we look at another way in which we can remember our missionaries, that of communication support. In Philippians 2.19, Paul wrote, But I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. It is very important to the missionary Paul to know how his supporting churches were doing. Communication is a means of good comfort to missionaries. We expect missionaries to communicate through prayer letters and other means with their churches, but communication is a two-way street. Should churches not communicate with their missionaries? Absolutely not. Why? They want to know what is happening in their churches. They want to know about salvations. They want to know about testimonies and decisions that are made. If for no other reason than to hear that God is still working. After Paul's first missionary journey, he returned to ascending church and rehearsed all that God had done with them. Acts 14, 27. We call this furlough today. Paul not only reported to the church, but he also abode a long time with them. This truth is significant. Communication and strong partnership take a long time to develop. We've been here three years, and we're just now getting to know people. We're just now getting to know who they are and what they like and what they don't. Inviting people over and having them over. We've been here three years, and I've only had pastor over one time to play He-Man. We played He-Man one time. I'm still waiting for the second one, right? But it takes a long time to develop that relationship. You have to get to know them. You have to put yourself out there. You can't just expect them to come and ask questions and do all that stuff. You've got to be the one to go out and initiate it. It takes time. Churches and their missionaries should get to know each other to strengthen their partnership. Communication, fellowship, and partnership take time. Today we have more means of communication than ever before. We encourage you to reach out to your missionaries via written letters, emails, messages, text, Marco Polos, and more. I have two thoughts to go along with this. Number one is check your phone. If you could scroll through your phone and you don't have a missionary's name in there somewhere, it's been too long. You're not remembering them. I was communicating with Brother Harris, and then I scrolled through my phone and looked back. The last time I texted him was October. Right? Check your phone. Communicate. Get to know them. And second, when you do text them and communicate, just leave it open-ended. They're human. They miss things. They're busy. They're downtrodden. They're whatever. But don't take it personally. Just let it be. Just... Send those texts and those emails and the communications. We're here. Any special requests? Your missionaries will love to hear from you. To hear souls being saved, church growth, decisions, ministries, and excitement for the Lord will encourage your missionaries in amazing ways. Just knowing that someone thousands of miles away took the time to reach out will encourage the missionary to keep on sharing the gospel. Let us remember our missionaries in moral support, in prayer support, 
logistical support and communication support. These are all convicting. Let's let's put it to pr let's put it to practice. Right? And uh, our brother Jeff just said it, we have so much at our fingertips. No reason not to. And uh, so let's let's do our best. So amen. Uh, tonight, just wanted a quick update from Brother Shawnee. I asked him to be prepared tonight to uh, just update the church on what the Lord is doing and has done and uh, what direction they're headed. And, uh, and so, uh, and I believe they're going to sing for us tonight too, him and Miss Monica. It's so good to finally meet Miss Monica. So, so glad. And uh, she is a blessing and I love her so much and uh, very thankful. And, uh, and today she asked if we should do anything and I was chopping onions. I was like, you can chop the onions. And it was great. So I didn't have to cry. She did. Uh, so that was great. And, uh, but, uh, but I'm thankful for them. She jumped right in. They're doing, uh, Brother Sean literally ran errands all day for me today. And I'm very thankful. Uh, for the both of them, and I'm excited what God's about to be doing in their life. So, Brother Sean, you come, update the church, please, on direction. Wow. It's very difficult to say how good it is to be home. Someone asked um, us, and a lot of people have asked us, how does it feel? How are you guys doing? How are you adjusting? He's like, yeah, slowly. You get still adjusting to the um, culture, but it's just so good to be home. <coughs> there's, not, there's no other feeling like that. It's been a blessing to be here and join with our church in the mission conference, and uh, what a joy it is to be here and take part in everything. Um, the Lord's been doing so much with my wife and I, and those who knew me, <laughs> saw me two years ago, would probably testify say that we have changed yeah the Lord's done so much and we're very thankful for what the Lord has done I'm so thankful for the sons that have been sung and chosen for today uh, many of them are close to my heart I surrender all so sent at you um, I was the reason all these songs are so meaningful to me not just as a Christian but as a missionary out of this church you always have that thought in your mind Lord, send me. Amen. Let me not lose that heart to be simply a servant. Amen. You know, there's no greater call. There are so many people that serve in the Army. I've never had that privilege to serve in the Army or in the Marines. And I'm very thankful for their service. Don't get me wrong. But there's no greater service Amen. than to serve the King of Kings. Like I said, the Lord's been doing much with my wife and I. Um, for those who've been reading our newsletters, I hope you all have, and I know that our church has been reading it before you all, and thank you all for your prayers for us. Um, at the same time that my parents, Brother Brian Elam and Camille Elam, were sent out and basically had to leave, flee Russia, my wife and I were alongside them. And my wife and I tried coming, going straight to Canada, not trying to do it illegally, but we were stopped at the um, border in Istanbul, and we were turned around from there. My wife went, had, I had to, we had to split up from there. My wife went to India, and I went to Kyrgyzstan to meet up with my parents for a few weeks and also try to get an Indian visa to meet up with my wife. And uh, praise the Lord, the Lord did wonders there, and it was a blessing to be there to see another place. The Lord's been so good. 
at, it was at that time that I started, those who've been following me on Marco Polo and our um, Sharecast, the Lord's been allowing me to see different mission fields, different places. I have a burden for so many places, but the Lord has called my wife and I to Canada. It's interesting because my dad and I talked about this recently. Um, when my father, my, when my parents were sent out of Canada to Russia, everywhere we went, I heard my father saying, the Lord has sent us to Russia and please pray for the Russian people, but please don't forget the Canadian people. So many people there, very few servants, very few missionaries, very few biblical sound churches who are preaching the truth and the doctrines of God. And I grew up hearing this. And unbeknownst to me or my father, the Lord began to do a work and give me a burden for the Canadian people. I love the Russian people and I had a burden for the Russian people, but I remember talking with my father and said, we were talking, it's like, what if the Lord sent us to Russia? We always talked about it. I said, you know, if the Lord sent me anywhere, I would go anywhere where God would send me. But I would want him to send me to Canada. Not because it's easy. And not because it's where my family is. It's not because where I'm from. But because there's such a great need. So the Lord's sending us to Canada. We, we were sidelined for 10 months in India. That was a blessing. The Lord used that. It was like, our, like Paul's backside of the wilderness for two years with the Lord. That was our backside of the wilderness. The Lord prepared us for the mission field of Canada. It's amazing there's so many Indians there. People immigrating from India to Canada for work purposes. And the, we were able to be immersed in the ministry there in India. We worked alongside um, one of Monica's uncles, Brother Shalem Kota. Uh, for those who've been reading our newsletters, I, I did mention him a couple times with Grace Baptist Church. And um, we were mainly working with them and helping them and trying to be encouragement to them. But the Lord allowed us also to be able to make a few trips to other areas of India to see other places, to be able to take part in some gospel meetings and some prayer meetings, which was such a blessing. And it's a different way of ministry there. There's a lot that they can't do, what we can do here. And there's a lot that do different than we do here. But I'm very thankful for it because the Lord gives me a, a different perspective how to do things and how to reach specifically the Indian people with the gospel. So, praise the Lord. The Lord used us there. We were able to reach several different people. There were several different young people we were able to reach out to and to share the gospel with. Um, a couple couples. I hope the Lord keeps on working on their hearts. Um, it was amazing. That, you know, through, uh, thank you for all your prayers. Just the documentation process we went through. Uh, so overwhelming. <laughs> even to think about it right now. But thank you. Praise the Lord. The Lord gave Monica her American visa in short time. It really, reality is it takes, it could take easily to five, six months to get an American visa from India. God gave it to us in a month and a half. Amen. And God gave her a 10-year visa. She's allowed in the country six months at a time, the same as Canadians. But we're very, very grateful to the Lord what he has done. It's a, it's a blessing. We were just so overwhelmed with the goodness of the Lord to us. Praise the Lord. Um, in the next 
next week, um, for those who don't know, next week, my wife and I, please be praying for us as we start our deputation travels. Um, this coming October, uh, we'll be gone for about two, half, three weeks. We'll be back the third week of um, October, around the 22nd, we'll be back here. Um, we'll be going down all the way to Texas. Our first serve, first meeting on, uh, is October 1st in Lubbock, Texas. For those who know Brother Bill Anchor, we'll be with them. Um, good brother. We'll be with them in October, then we'll make our way back all the way through our, um, Kansas and then Missouri and then back up to Ohio. Um, and then November, many people are saying, you know, that's not a good time. In November, we're going up to North Dakota. <laughs> Everyone says, like, that's terrible. Even the um, immigration officer we talked to in, at the border is like, really? You're going up to North Dakota in November? It's like, not the best time. It's like, I'm looking forward to it. I want the snow. Bring it on. <laughs> I'm tired of the heat. Give me the snow. But, yeah, we're going to be making our way up to North Dakota and through some of the states on the, along the way and visiting some churches. Praise the Lord. The Lord has allowed us in two months to be able to um, book around 14 different new churches. Amen. And four to f actually around five different uh, supporting churches we're going to be visiting, which is such a blessing. We're very thankful because none of them have met Monica, and a few of them took us on even without us being there. So we're very thankful for that. So please pray for us because there's a lot of traveling ahead. Um, pray for myself. I'm, I'm in the need of getting a Canadian license because my international license from Russia ends in April of next year. And so Lord enabling, we'll be making a trip to Canada um, uh, in December, most likely, for a few weeks to do the license and also Lord enabling, do a survey trip, which would be very good. So please pray for us. Anyways, um, at this time, my wife and I are going to sing a song for you, um, a song very dear and near to my heart, and um, passion for souls. Like I said, to have a heart for those lost around us. There's so many people who are dying and going on, going the, um, on the way to hell, and we need to have passion for souls. Oh, may this hour be one of beginning. 
excited what God's going to be doing with Brother Sean and Miss Monica and, and uh, directing towards Canada. And so you pray, uh, as you said, to be uh, just seeking the Lord exactly where. And I uh, know that uh, we've shared a few places that we're praying about and that he'll be going and visiting some. And, and uh, But just pray for the Lord's leadership and direction and, uh, and praise the Lord. Amen. Just what an honor and privilege it is stand with another man and his wife going out to yeah. plant a church so so i'm excited about it so continue to pray for them please so um won't take any more time uh brother carter um we appreciate you this week so you all come and uh sing for us and uh preach the word of god thank you for every message this week's been wonderful so that's so awesome and uh so thankful for uh the elams and uh the uh testimony they have I, I was just sitting there while they were singing that song that's a song we love to sing at the church in Bellingham where I pastored for 11 years and uh, our song leader uh, at the church he got saved I think it was in 20 I want to say 2015 brother Elam uh, no no it was 2014 it was 2014 I, I know that 2014 at our missions conference uh, we had a conference with brother yeah, with uh, every Sunday school class had a different missionary that they have like a conference call with a Skype call and uh, Brother Elam met with our teenagers uh, uh, during that week and uh, when I left our song leader of our church was there because of the testimony uh, Brother Elam and it's just awesome to see his sons stepping out and that's just great that's just that's missions and uh, I tell you every every person here you need to be ready to be thrust into uh, the work of God and God wants to use you in his work and so that's uh, that's just uh, that's just fantastic for some reason, I don't have the note. So can you just play this middle C? All right, my wife's not here. We're, we're, we're nothing without her, I'll tell you. This is going to be a rough night, so pray hard. All right, pray hard. There will be a happy meeting in heaven, I know. When we see the many loved ones we've known here below. Gather on the blessed hilltops with hearts all aglow. That'll be a glad reunion day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a wonderful day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a glorious day. There with all the holy angels and loved ones to stay. That'll be a glad reunion day. When we lived a million years in that wonderful place. Basking in the love of Jesus, beholding his face. 
It will seem it's just a moment praising His grace. That'll be a glad reunion day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a wonderful day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a glorious day. There with all the holy angels and loved ones to stay. That'll be a glad reunion day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a wonderful day. That'll be a happy day, yes, a glorious day. There with all the holy angels, loved ones to stay. That'll be a glad reunion day. There with all the holy angels, loved ones to stay. That'll be a glad reunion day. Amen. Is the face that I see in the mirror? The one I want others to see Do I show in the way that I walk in my life The love that you've given to me My heart desires to be like you In all that I do, all I am do they see Jesus in me? Do they recognize your face? Do I communicate your love and your grace? Do I reflect who you are? In the way I choose to be, do they see Jesus, Jesus in me? It's amazing that you'd ever use me, but use me the way you will. Help me to hold out a heart of compassion and grace, a heart that your spirit fills. And may I show forgiveness and mercy the same way you've shown it to me. Do they see Jesus in me? Do they recognize your face? Do I communicate your love and your grace? Do I reflect who you are in the way I choose to be? Do they see Jesus, Jesus in me? I want 
to show all the world that you are the reason I live and breathe. So you'll be the one that they see when they see me. Do they see Jesus in me? Do they recognize your face? I communicate your love and your grace. Do I reflect who you are in the way I choose to be? Do they see Jesus? Jesus in me. Do they see Jesus? Jesus in me. Important prayer, right? I don't. That's all I want to do when I hear that song, because I'm telling you, I sit there and think of times in my life where it's just it just hasn't been seen I think of times in their life when they, <laughs> they haven't seen it in me either and um, let's just let's go to the Lord in prayer Heavenly Father and Lord God we've gathered tonight Lord that we might be able to glorify your name Lord and we've gathered for the purpose of missions Lord we believe that to be your heartbeat and uh Lord, it is the mission of the church to spread the gospel. Lord God, we ask that you just would, Lord, help us to be submitted to you. Lord, that through uh, our giving and through our going right where we you have planted us, Lord, that your son would be lifted up high and lifted up. God, that we'd have no other agenda or we'd have no other purpose in our life but be glorified. Thank you for or testimony that's been given, song that's been sung. I pray that you just bless your word tonight as we open it and, and help us as we might be able to leave here uh, with just the truth that you put on my heart tonight. I believe it to be the truth for this hour. And Lord, I pray that you just would help this body to grab a hold of it and God that they see it uh, in your word for themselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Judges in chapter number 17. Judges in chapter uh, number 17. And uh, to be honest with you, I just prayed about the theme. Remember me. And I, I'll just say this. I love the theme, but it is very, uh, it's like Cincinnati chili. It's a very unique theme. Amen. I've never, well, as soon as he said, we're having a missions conference, the theme is remember me. I was like, whoa, not lost souls or win them while we can or something, I mean, something like that. Usually is a mission. Uh, like, but I, I just started praying, Lord, remember me. And uh, and uh, talked to pastor about it, and and uh, and one of the things that just the Lord put on my my heart as I was I was praying, and was uh, was this thought that the number one the number one thing a missionary needs, I believe this, and the number one thing a missionary needs, uh, because I think their entire ministry stems from and uh, and and is built upon this foundation, is a local church, a good. Sending church, a missionary's. I mean, biblically, I know bishops, I know places do it, people do it, whatever. Uh, uh, but but biblically, 
What someone needs to go out and do the word of God is the foundation that Christ laid uh, uh, here in the local church. And they need a strong uh, a local church. And so uh, as strong as the families are in this church, uh, and is as strong as this church is going to be, and, uh, and as strong as this church is, uh, uh, the more help it is going to be to the missionaries that it sends. And uh, uh, Brother Sean was talking about just good to be home. It's just, I mean, he, this is home to them and it's good to come back. And, and, uh, one of the things, and I, this, I know this sounds weird. Uh, uh, I've said it before and people go, that's weird. And that's why I say, I know it sounds weird. I'll, I'll just admit this off the top. Uh, but when, uh, when I met my wife, one of the things that attracted her to me, I mean, I like, I was like, man, I just, I love this about her. She grew up in the same town her whole life. She grew up in Yakima, Washington her whole life. She lived, they, when she was three years old, they moved from the house she, was, she lived in when she was born, and they moved into uh, uh, her grandparents' house, and, uh, and they, they were there at her uh, uh, grandfather's house and, because he, her grandmother had passed away, and, and, uh, and so they just moved in there with uh, her grandpa and, and her and her nine siblings, right? Uh, all of them that were there in that house, and, and she lived there her whole life. Now, now me, uh, where dad started churches, and we moved like every three to four years, uh, and we we're in a new city and a new church and in a new house. I'm telling you, I just thought when I got talking to her, I was just fascinated that she grew up in the same home her whole life. Just was like awesome to me. And uh, and she liked to go and she would go back and and uh, she knew every nook and cranny of Yakima, Washington. I mean, she just I mean, it was just home uh, uh, to her. And I, I'm just telling you, uh, uh, I know of missionaries uh, who would give the testimony. Uh, that they went home and the church wasn't what it used to be. Uh, I mean, missionaries that went home and, and, and just things weren't uh, uh, going in, a, in, a, in the direction they were when they left and went to the field. And, and, and there was no communication with the missionary. I mean, it's just like the sending church just was a, uh, uh, just a name only. I mean, this is our sending church, and there was no communication that was talked about uh, uh, earlier, and, and, and there was no, no relationship uh, really other than the fact of the feather and the cap of the church that they'd sent out a missionary. And, and, and listen, that's not uh, uh, what a missionary is. A, a missionary is an extension of this body in another location doing and emulating the same work as a reflection of what this local church is should be everything that that missionary is. And I, I, I'm just telling you, that's the way God intends it to be, I believe, uh, uh, tonight. Uh, but there's a, I mean, there's like, I just say horror stories out there. I knew one missionary uh, who came back and, and uh, uh, he, he found out that his, his church didn't even have Baptist on the, on, in their name any longer, you know. And, and uh, they just, I mean, just floored him. And, and have to find new works and different doctrines and different things. And, 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 and so, so I, I uh, just got thinking about that, that number one need. And, and the Lord brought me to this, these, uh, don't get scared, these chapters, chapter 17 and 18. Don't get scared, okay? There, I found out last night there's a clock right up here. I asked pastor Sunday morning, I said, like, preacher, I didn't ask what time to be done. I didn't see a clock anywhere in here because I was looking back there. And there wasn't. He said, well, that's all right. No big deal. And he hasn't told me to, I've been taking too long anyway. So I guess we could be here all night if we needed to. But, but the Lord brought my, my mind to this story because I believe this story brings out uh, a truth that uh, 
is a problem in America today. I, I do. I believe it's a problem in American churches today. And, and I believe it's, it's, listen, although this, I wouldn't say, man, this is just uh, some of these messages I preach, absolute missions messages. I, I, I'm just wondering, to know, if we're really going to remember our missionary, we better remember what's going on here at home. We better remember that. For their sake, we better, we better take care of that. And, and so I'm going to kind of read through chapter 17 and 18 with commentary, okay? We're, we're going to get through them quickly, and then we'll get in the message. And uh, you say, who's commentary? Mine. I, I like, my mind wanders as I read. I am ADD. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I mean, uh, when I was a kid, I mean, to sit still for 30 seconds, that was like, that was a hardship. I understand where some of you little kids are right now, because I, I did not know how to sit still at all, you know. So my mind wanders as I read. I don't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm a, I'm a slow reader, uh, because mostly I'll read something, and I'll be like, I don't know what that means, and it'll take me off to find out what that means, or what's that word mean, and I'll find out, well, you're just mispronouncing the word, you really do know what the word is, but, but, or, or something like that, or, or I'll read something, and it'll get me sidetracked another way, so I do, like, I, I read slow because of that. But, but just, let's just walk through these two chapters, and then we'll get to this truth. The title of tonight's session, the sermon, session, sermon, I'm going to preach, uh, it's, is this, when God is not enough. When God is not enough. Now, now look at this, chapter number 17, verse number 1. And it says, And there was a man of Mount Ephraim whose name was Micah. And I just want to point out the, the fact of it, the location that the Word of God gives us here, Mount Ephraim, as, as it is. Uh, it, it was a, re, a region. And I, I understand it is a mount, right? It, it can be a mountain, but it, it was a mountainous region. And in fact, in the, in the book of Second Chronicles, you'll read of other mountains in Mount Ephraim, and, and you say, how's that work? Well, if you went to Washington State, where we lived in Washington State, and, and, uh, and you went to Mount Baker, right? You go to the Mount Baker ski area, and behind my desk, I have a picture that I took. It's the greatest picture I think I've ever taken. It's, it's a picture lake. You can look that up later. Uh, and it's on Mount, in the Mount Baker ski area, picture lake. And it's a beautiful picture. It's a reflection of a mountain peak in this crystal clear lake. And it's just, it's just phenomenal. And the mountain peak that is there on Mount Baker ski area is not Mount Baker. It's Mount Shuxon. Right, so uh, uh, you have to drive up the up the mountainside further to actually get to a point where you can look up at the peak of Mount Baker that's fifteen hundred feet higher than Mount Shuxon. I mean, in fact, from uh, 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 unless you're in the air or there on the mountain, you, from when you're standing down in Bellingham, you can see Mount Baker. You don't see Mount Shuxon at all because it's hidden behind Mount Baker. So it's a it's a it's a mountainous region. And in the mountainous region uh, uh, that is there, you find a couple different places. I, this this is just point of interest uh, uh, information. Uh, you would find out that Bethel, the house of God is in Mount Ephraim. It's in that region. Uh, we we'd understand that Shiloh. Shiloh, in fact, at the end of chapter uh, uh, number 18, Shiloh is mentioned. It, it says, and they set up uh, uh, Micah's graven image, which, were, which he made. This is the last verse of chapter 18. All the time, the house of God was in Shiloh. But Shiloh as well, we would find out, is in that Mount Ephraim area. It's within 10 miles of, of, of what is considered actually Mount Ephraim specifically, but uh, uh, from what I study. But it's right there in that region. And so uh, I, I'm just pointing this out as we get into our story tonight. It, it's not as if this man Micah that we're reading about didn't have the truth or that it was far from him. 
It's not that he did not have opportunity to do right according to the command of God and the will of God for his life. It is that we are going to find out that he refused to do it God's way. And he refused to do it with God's plan. And so I want us to keep that in mind uh, as we read. Because uh, as we read about this man, Micah, we find out he didn't do things God's way. We also, if we read verse 2, 3, find out he's kind of a dirtbag because he stole from his mother. Yeah, he, stole, he stole silver from his mother, stole money from his mother, and his mother cursed it, and he got scared about that, gave it back to mom, and, and, and then mom said, well, you know what, uh, I was just going to make graven images with it anyway, and so he said, well, great, let's make graven images, and so uh, uh, they made graven images for their house of gods, good Jewish people, no, no, good, serv- good children of God, let's make some graven images with this stolen money, son, and pick up in verse number five, it says, and the man Micah had a house of gods right next to Shiloh. I mean, right next to the house of God, right? Bethel, you know. He had a house of gods, little g, and made an ephod and a teraphim and, and consecrated uh, one of his sons who became his priest. And I just wrote in the side, you know, the side of my Bible right there as if he had the authority to do that. Because he didn't. He had no authority wherewith to do this, but he, he did it anyway. He took it upon himself uh, uh, to do this thing. And it says in verse 6, well, how in the world would he think it was right to do this? Well, verse 6 reminds us, in those days there was no king in Israel, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And there was a young man out of Bethel, uh, uh, out of Bethlehem, Judah, of the family of Judah, who was a Levite. And he sojourned there, and the man departed out of the city of Bethlehem, Judah, and to sojourn where he could find a place. And he came to the Mount Ephraim, into the house of Micah, and he sojourned. And Micah said unto him, Whence comest thou? And he said unto him, I am a Levite of Bethlehem, Judah, and I go to sojourn where I may find a place. And Micah said unto him, Dwell with me, and be unto me a father and a priest and I will give thee ten shekels of silver by year and a suit of apparel uh, with thy victuals so the Levite went in and the Levite was content uh, uh, to dwell with the man and the young man was uh, unto him one of his sons and Micah look at this and Micah consecrated the Levite again as if he had any authority to do so any more authority to make a house of God, any more authority to make his own teraphim and his own ephod, which again all point to the fact that he actually knew what God had said. Come on. He was just doing it his own way. And the fact that he was excited about this Levite coming in, and now, hey, let's let you take the place of my son who I consecrated to be. Uh, Now I have a Levite under my house. Look what he says in verse number, uh, 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 the end of verse number 12. Micah consecrated the Levite, and the young man came a priest, and he was in Micah's house. And then said Micah, now I know the Lord will do me good, seeing I have a Levite in my house. uh, in my, uh, to my priest. The Lord's going to do you good because you've made a house of gods, graven images, and, and, and have pulled one of his priests into your home for him to help you serve God your way. God's going to do us real good. It's going to be blessing. Big blessings coming. 
Big blessings. Well, you get into chapter number 18. Again, we're, we've got the whole chapter. We're, we're going to get through it quickly. But you get into chapter number 18, and, and this is what you find. You find the story of the Danites. I mentioned them last night. I mentioned them. That there were tribes in the nation of Israel that never did possess the lands that God wanted them to possess. They never did receive the blessings that God wanted them to possess. Some of those tribes got portions of what God wanted them to have, but not all of what God wanted them to have. And the tribe of Dan uh, didn't get any of what it, God wanted them to have. And the battles were too great. And so they just decided, listen, we're going to send you guys out as spies. Go find us a place that we can take because it's too much work to possess what God wants us to have. It's going to be too much labor to take that. So go out and find us something that we might be able to have and they went out and, and, and they searched around and they came across the house of Micah five men out of the tribe of Dan came across the house of Micah got talking to the priest talking about the idolatry that's what was taking place there in the house of Micah the, the idolatry that was there and they said oh that's interesting and that's kind of neat and, and then they went on their way and, and in verse number uh, uh, seven they found the city of Laish and in, as they go to the city of Laish they see a city that was, I, can I say it this way, easy for the pickings. And, and they say, man, these people will be easy to take over. So they go back to the, to the, to the tribe and, and, and they say, listen, we found a spot that's going to be easy for us to take. And, and, and let's go up and, and, and let's possess it. And, and, and it'll be very easy. Uh, uh, and, and it says in verse number 20, it's amazing in, in, the, in the wickedness that's going on here. Uh, it, it says in verse number 10, God hath given it unto our hands. Well, how did they know? Because they asked the priest that was in Micah's house, what do you think about what we're doing? He said, oh, God's definitely with you. I mean, I'm telling you, they're getting some good confirmation for what they're doing, right? Going totally against the plan of God, but God's confirming and God's in everything that is going on. And so 600 men go up to the city of Laish and they go up to destroy the city of Laish and they turn in hither and they take uh, 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 and they turn in hither on their way to Laish unto the house of Micah again. And it says this in verse number uh, uh, 14. And, and then they answered the five men uh, uh, that went to spy out the country of Laish and said unto their brethren, Do you know there is in these houses an ephod and a teraphim and, and a graven image and a molten image? Now therefore consider that ye have uh, uh, what ye have to, uh, to do. And they turned thither, thitherward and they came to the house of the young man, the Levite, and, and even unto the house of Micah and Sol Saluted him, and the six hundred men appointed uh, uh, them their weapons of war, uh, uh, which are of the children of Dan, stood by the entering of the gate. And the five men that went to spy the land went up and came in thither and took the graven image and the ephod and the teraphim. And you say, This is terrible. Remember, it was all made with stolen money to begin with. That's what it was made with. It says, and the molten image, and the priest stood in the entering of the gate of the 600 men that were appointed with weapons of war. And these went in with Micah, uh, into Micah's house, and they fetched the carved image and the ephod and the teraphim and the molten image. And they said unto the priest, then said the priest unto them, What do ye? And they said unto him, Hold thy peace, lay thine hand upon thy mouth, go with us. And be, look at this, unto us, not just unto Micah. That's what Micah said. Be unto me in chapter 17 and verse number 10. Be unto me a high priest, a father and a priest. He said, be unto us 
a father and a priest? Is it better for thee to be a priest unto a house of one man, or that thou mightest uh, be a priest unto a tribe and a family in Israel? And look at verse 20. And the priest's heart was glad. You mean I, I get more? <laughs> more for me? His heart was glad, and he took the ephod and the teraphim and the graven image, and they went to the midst uh, and he went in the midst of the people and, and the rest of the chapter Micah comes out and says what are you doing and they said we're taking your stuff we're taking your priest and, and if you want to die you can do something about it and then they went up to the city of Laish and they laid waste to the city uh, of Laish and they named it and gave it a new name that we read about later on in the, uh, uh, in the Old Testament record uh, uh, when they get to the story of Jeroboam Dan becomes a very interesting city because in this city where they established this new religion with this young man who was a priest unto them and a father unto them uh, and they had their own ephod and their own worship and their own idolatry uh, it was an easy place for Jeroboam when he sinned against God to establish the worship of a golden calf in a na city named Dan. And tonight I just want to look at this thought when God is not enough. And I want to make this statement to you because I believe it to be a very important statement uh, as we talk through the thoughts uh, uh, that I have written down here. Uh, but it's this, idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. Idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction uh, uh, with God. There was no king in the nation of Israel. No person to physically represent God here on earth. So the men were in Israel, did that which was right in their own sight. And we read about one misled person after another uh, 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 going their own way and falling into sin. And then them having to cry out for God. And God raises up a deliverer to deliver them. And, and, and here as you get toward the end of the book of Judges, you find some of the most crazy things that you read about the nation of Israel. Quite honestly. Honestly, it gets weirder from here in the book of Judges. gets stranger and stranger as men did that which was right in their own eyes. And, and, and they were to be a peculiar people set aside to God and to God alone. And, and the reason they did not have a king in Israel is because God desired to be the king. No, he desired, he desired that they'd look to him. He wanted that they would follow after him and that they, would, uh, they wouldn't be looking to a man, but they'd be looking to God. And the purpose of the priest uh, uh, was that he might be able to point men to God. That's what he was there for, that he might be able to uh, uh, show people how they might be able to be right with God and, and, and go before the presence of God. The story of Israel as a nation, they would rather live life how they saw it than to live accountable to a holy God. That's the story that we see and read of Israel, especially in the book of Judges. Uh, uh, understand with me, uh, just like men today, uh, uh, we, are, we, we desire to live our life uh, uh, not for His kingdom and for His will, but we are wrapped up in our own kingdoms. No, no, we're wrapped up in our own direction. We can get wrapped up so easily and we can get going so far away from the purposes of God. Even though we might know a little bit about what God wants from us, we can find ourselves far away from where God desires for us to be. And instead of God being high and lifted up in our lives, He is at best just one more thing that we do. 
I'm, I'm telling you, good Christian people uh, and good churches can get to that place where God is just something else that we do. Church is just something else that we do. Uh, it's not at all that where God wanted his people to be. He, he did not desire that he would just be one thing that they did. He desired that he would be the center of everything that, the, that his people did and everything that his people worked uh, were. Uh, he, he didn't just desire that he was on an equal playing field with the work that they had to do. That's not what God wanted. He didn't want to be on an equal playing field with the family. He, he did not desire that at all. That's not where God's like, man, if I could just be co-equal with, with the institution of the family. That's not God's desire. He desires to be center and number one. Uh, if I could just be equal with somebody's hobbies, if they, can, if they have a hobby, if me and golf were on an equal playing field, that would just be fantastic with me. I mean, if me and a wood shop somewhere, uh, I mean, if they, if they spent as much time with a wood shop as they did with me, if they thought about the wood shop as much as they do with me, or the garden, or whatever the hobby might be, that is not God's desire at all. In fact, he said this, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's his heart's desire. That's his heart's desire. But I'm just telling you, if we're not careful, I'm just saying, I'm not trying to beat anybody up tonight. I'm not trying to be mean at all. I think it's very easy for each and every one of us, if we are not careful to find ourselves leveling God down to an earthly plane with things that are temporal and things that don't matter, instead of holding him up to be the holy, righteous God that he is, where he is the center of everything that we do. And if it doesn't line up with God, then we're going to get it out of our life. And if it keeps it distracts us from God, then we're going to keep it away from our life. And if it doesn't just direct us to God, it's just not for us. That's where God wants each and every one of us to live, and that's what He desires. You say, I think maybe we could take this too far. And I think a lot of Christianity thinks maybe we just can take this too far. But, but I'm telling you what, you just can't. You cannot take God being the center of your life, the center of your world, the center of your being, cannot be taken more seriously. And sadly, the nation of Israel did not take it uh, 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 very seriously. <clears throat> Micah had a house of gods. He made an ephod, a fiat a teraphim, hired himself uh, uh, the best pr uh, priest money could buy, and, and he thought God was going to bless him. And, and listen, and he was an idolater and, and a lawbreaker, and he thought God, Jehovah, was going to bless him? Absolutely did. Uh, you say, I, I just can't fathom that. Uh, how do we fathom? And, and again, I'm not, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm thankful for being an American. I'm thankful for it. I mean, I just praise God. I was born in the nation I was. I thank God for the freedoms we have. But, but it, we got to scratch our heads sometimes when, when people actually, uh, I mean, that believe in all sorts of wickedness and practice all sorts of wickedness and, and are involved in all sorts of wickedness uh, would say the words, God bless America. As if how could he? Uh, I mean, with the way we're going and the things we're doing, I mean, how, how could God bless America? It, it just kind of makes you kind of wonder. I mean, I want God to bless America. And I'm not, I, listen, I'm not one of these people that says, well, revival could never come to America. I, I want to see God move. I want to see God work. I, I, we need God to work. I need God to work in my life every day. But, but friend, if God never did bless America, he'd have good reason not to. I, I mean, he just would. He absolutely would. So in reality, he was not interested in serving God at all. He wanted to uh, be served by God. 
He wanted the blessings of God, but he wanted the blessings on his own terms, and he wanted the blessings of God uh, uh, to be gained by his own way. So he hired him a priest that would minister to him alone and, and would do as he saw fit. Listen, we're not going down to Shiloh to worship God. Uh, we're not going to go down and pray in Shiloh. Uh, we're not going to be involved in any of that. We can do things right where we're at as, uh, as we desire in the way we desire. And, and obviously the tabernacle and the worship of God had, uh, had, uh, that, that God had established weren't good enough for Micah. That didn't work for Micah. So Micah came up with his own way and had his own plan and just thought God's going to bless me in my way the, the, the same that he would bless his own way. Obviously, what God had established wasn't good enough for Micah and he thought that he could improve upon it. But I want us to remember this. Idolatry is the byproduct of man's dissatisfaction with God. If what God had established was good enough for Micah, then Micah never would have made his own ephod. And Micah never would have made his own house of gods. And Micah never would have made his own graven images. If what God had given was sufficient to him, if what God had given uh, uh, allowed him to realize that, man, I have everything I need, everything that God has given is exactly what I need, then, then listen, this story would never be in the Bible. Wouldn't be there. Or, or it'd read entirely different. If his view of God was that God's provided everything I need to be able to come before his presence. Instead of him establishing a way to come before the presence of God his own way. I want us to quickly consider the priest that he had established. Uh, he consecrated one of his sons uh, uh, to be his priest. Then something better came along. Do you see the, the covetous nature of Micah? Right? I, I mean, he coveted mom's gold. I don't know if you get more low down than stealing from your own uh, uh, mother. But, I mean, he coveted what his mom had. Uh, uh, he, he had uh, a desire to covet his own worship of God. And, and now he has coveted a new priest. Men who are involved in idolatry are never satisfied. I mean, they're never satisfied. Uh, you say, how can you say they're, uh, uh, they're never satisfied? Because uh, we understand uh, uh, that the Word of God instructs us uh, uh, that they're, they're never satisfied. They, that, that, idolatry, uh, that, that covetousness is as idolatry, according to Colossians in chapter number 3. Covetousness is as idolatry, uh, Colossians 3 and verse 5. It talks about the deeds of our flesh and that they need to be mortified. And, and if we're not careful, we're going to find ourselves in, in idolatry. And men who are involved in idolatry are never satisfied. And they're always looking for something new to satisfy them. Friend, the reason only, the reason only God can satisfy uh, 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 your soul, uh, we need to be, rea well, the reality is that uh, we, unless we are going to be satisfied with God, we will live a life of dissatisfaction. We'll live a life of dissatisfaction. Sadly, Micah had made his life where he wasn't satisfied with what God had given. And so he found himself uh, 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 hiring, uh, uh, found himself uh, uh, making his son a priest. Could you imagine being his son? <laughs> when he came into the, when he came, come on, think about that a little bit. When he came in the house of God and said, hey, uh, uh, bud, why don't you sit on down? I found something better. <laughs> come on. I mean, just imagine, you, if you, if you had a, I, mean, I hope you don't have a dad that ever did this to you, but said, hey, uh, I appreciate everything you've done for me, buddy, uh, uh, but we found something. We're, we're on a downsizing period, and, and we're moving in a different direction, and, and you're not it any longer. 
Because he had a hot father that was covetous. And he had a father that was an idolater. Sadly, Micah was able to find someone who would be a priest unto him. According to Exodus 28 and verse number 4, the priests were to minister to the Lord, not individuals. They were to be ministers unto the Lord, not just individuals. According to Exodus 29, verses 45 through 46, the priest's office, uh, or the, the priest's office, the office of the priest uh, was to be held, uh, 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 priest was to help, uh, the, the office of the priest was to help the people of, uh, uh, of God and, and to lead them to God, not to help them in their idolatry. It was never about that, to lead them to God. What a priest this was, the, uh, the best money could buy, almost uh, wandering around looking for a place uh, and, and, and desiring to, uh, uh, to have a, a place because, the, uh, because there was no place for him uh, to be able to do what he desired uh, 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 in the land of Israel. Uh, he, it says in verse number 8 of chapter 17, he could find, he, he, uh, where he, he was wandering, sojourning, where he could find a place. I'm just looking for a place where I fit in. I'm just looking for a place where I can have uh, uh, what I want and do what I want and do as I please. That's the priest that he hired. And I just want to remind you that idolatry is the byproduct of men's dissatisfaction with God. Micah wasn't satisfied with the things that God had given this young priest wasn't satisfied with the things God had given uh, to live and to serve God as God had outlined for the Levites to do. Uh, uh, no, no, no. He was going to go find a place that pleased him because he was dissatisfied with what God had given. Well, where does the tribe of Dan and the Danites fit into all this? Where, where do they come in? Well, we'd understand this, that God had given Dan 18 cities. God said, listen, I mean, you can go to Joshua in chapter uh, number uh, 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 19, verses 40 through 48. God gave the tribe of Dan uh, uh, their inheritance to the land of Israel. Uh, about, they, he gave them 18 cities. Sadly, they didn't have their inheritance because they couldn't drive out the enemies, the Amorites that were in the land that God had given them. So instead of continuing to fight them and, and to go and, uh, and, to, uh, and to go forward as God wanted them to, they just said, Fooey with this, we're going to go find an easier place. And, and, and they go and they search out and they find that city of Laish. And, and, and again, we are reminded uh, uh, that, listen, the uh, idolatry is a byproduct of man's dissatisfaction with God. So as they're going on their way, they find a man that's dissatisfied with God and he finds himself in idolatry and a priest that's dissatisfied with God and is going along with the idolatry. And as they come along, they're dissatisfied with what God has done for them and what God has given them. And they look around and say, well, this man Micah has a pretty good idea. Uh, to not be satisfied with what God was given. And, and the tribe of Dan finds themselves bringing this, uh, uh, this uh, uh, priest along with them and, and establishing the worship uh, that he had done in the house of Micah along with them. And, and friendly say, why in the world they would they do that? Because they were dissatisfied with what God had given. And what God desired for them to do was too hard, so they were going to go and do it their own way in a new place, and they were going to forget everything that God had told them to do we're going to fight the battles that God told them to fight. We're just going to go somewhere where it's easier 
I mean, we're, I mean, listen, we're just going to go somewhere where it's easier and, and we're going to do it our own way. And I'm telling you, this, uh, this worship of Micah that he had established was very attractive to these men because Micah got where he was because of his dissatisfaction with what God had given. They were dissatisfied with what God had given. I mean, these were a symbiotic relationship. I mean, it just seemed like this guy belongs to us. And so, I mean, wouldn't it, I mean, wouldn't it make sense that instead of just staying here in this one house and being a priest under this one house, why don't you just go along with us and you can be a priest unto an entire tribe? I wrote this down. The sin allowed in a home, the sin allowed in a home is coveted by a tribe. Think about that just a moment. Because this, this, if we can say this, this tribe is made up of homes. Come on, this, this body is made up of different homes. That's what it's made up of. It's made up of different individuals who uh, can have different ideas and different hearts. And, and, and listen, uh, you shouldn't sit there for one second and, and act like, well, we just do things a little different in our home. And, and, and we don't do, any do things the way uh, uh, the preacher sees them from the Word of God. We do them the way we see it from the Word of God. Please don't sit there for one second uh, uh, with that kind of thought in your mind and, and then act like it does not affect this entire church. It absolutely does. Uh, uh, the things that you allow in your home do get to church via your kids who talk to everybody about everything even though you threatened them in the car before they got here they're still talking and I'm telling you it affects some others and, and, and friend the idolatry that's allowed it has a ripple effect and, 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 and the idolatry that Micah allowed it had a ripple effect to where uh, when Jeroboam later on I, I, we're skipping uh, away ahead in the story but you get to the story of Jeroboam when God had to separate the, uh, uh, the kingdom of Israel into two parts the, uh, uh, the tribe of Judah and the, uh, uh, the nation of Judah and then Israel and, and Jeroboam said listen we're no longer going to do things the way that, uh, that God uh, uh, wants us to do them. We can't go down to uh, uh, the city of, uh, uh, of Jerusalem and worship down there because the people's hearts will go back to Rehoboam. They'll have a desire to, uh, uh, to go back to him and have them uh, as their king, even though it's God that established Jeroboam and he would have been nothing without God at all. He has this wicked heart and he says, we're going to do the worship of God totally different. We're going to do it in a whole new way. And what did he do? He set up idolatry idolatry in Bethel, the house of God, and Dan, where idolatry had been running rampant since the time of Judah. Yep. Well, why? Because in his own heart, he was dissatisfied with what God had done. And it led to his own idolatry. Idolatry is the, is the byproduct of dissatisfaction with God. I, I want to submit to you tonight that a lot of churches are not standing on the truth because not because the truth has changed because of dissatisfaction with it. No, no, no. We've, we've, we've grown dissatisfied with the things that God has given and, and we determine we're going to do it our own way. You say, well, why would we uh, do that? Because we're covetousness. We're covetous. And we can look around. I'm just telling you, you can go to a church tonight where the preacher doesn't get up and really preach about anything. 
No, no, I mean, you can go to church. I'm, I'm telling you, you, you can find close to your house a church where a pastor and the guest speaker and everybody that comes in, they don't get up and they don't want to, their goal, their goal is that you don't feel bad about being you. They want, to, they want you to feel good about yourself. They want you to be happy about yourself. Uh, if you feel like this is where you need to be, you, Micah, you just go and do things the way you want to do them, and you establish the worship of God the way you want it to be. And, 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 and listen, and we're going to take a poll, and if the people want blue lights, we're going to give them blue lights. If they want smoke, we'll give them smoke. I, I was, somebody sent me this video of, uh, it was, I think it was called Radical Baptism. It was some church somewhere i don't remember where it was and, and this guy uh they had this big stone baptistry like right up at the front of the pulpit and and, and, the, and people would come to get baptized there and, and the and the pastor was like some ex-football player and he tackled people into the baptistry and it was a big thing and the crowd cheered yeah <laughs> yeah because that's what, the, what hey whatever the people want you know you realize that that didn't just happen in a church that happened in a whole lot of homes and then it magnified itself later on into an entire church of people who are making a mockery out of the picture of the death burial and resurrection of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ there's a large church in in it's called East Lake in in Seattle I mean one of those one of the most godless places in the United States, Seattle, just outside of Seattle, Washington, a church called East Lake, and and, uh, and it was uh, I think it was originally I think it was Assembly of God Church or something, and they uh, uh, they had this program uh, uh, called Drinks for Drinks. And every, every I think, second or third Friday, one Friday out of the month, uh, uh, what they would do is they'd have this big rock concert, and uh, they'd have a, uh, uh, the band playing up on the platform, and you could come to the rock concert, and you could buy alcohol in church and drink in church while the rock music was playing. And, and they would take the proceeds that would come from the alcohol that was being bought, and, and they would use it to buy wells and drinking water and other foreign countries. I mean, because they they're interested in missions. I'm not making that up. And it's not like they're alone in this. And they were advertising it on the television. I, I, I was watching this, uh, uh, this commercial. Somebody sent me this commercial uh, uh, that they played in the Seattle area. And, and the rock music was, they were showing that the stage was bouncing so hard uh, from the rock music that the beer was just, like, just bouncing right out of the, of the cup that, that it was sitting on on the platform. Because they were rocking it out for Jesus. Really? Really? Because, I mean, because I'm telling you, that's exactly what we find in the Word of God, is that Jesus, you know, desires for us to be alcoholics and, yeah. Come on, I, I'm just telling you, we get to a place to where we're so far removed from what God's design was, and you say, well, where did it start at? It started with somebody being dissatisfied uh, uh, with God, and somebody deciding they're going to do it their own way instead of God's way. And, and, and I'm telling you, God's way still works. <laughs> it still works. And when your missionaries come home, I'm telling you, what they don't need to find is radical baptisms and drinks for drinks. They just need to find a church that's just still just you know, going out soul winning. 
because it still works. It, it absolutely does. Here, the other day, we, we, we had a revival uh, uh, here the week before we came here. We've been in church every night for three weeks, I think. Uh, it's been awesome. Uh, and, and, and we had this revival, and, and we've been out putting out flyers, putting out flyers. And uh, we had an 18-year-old boy show up uh, on Sunday morning, rode his bike to church. He said, I saw your... I was the first person he met him in the parking lot. I was walking over from the offices to the auditorium. We were getting ready to have prayer about 9 o'clock. And uh, I said, hey, how can I help you? And he said, I got... And he pulled out his flyer. He said, I got this flyer on my door. And I saw a whole bunch of kids my age <laughs> passing them out in my neighborhood. And I thought, I want to come check that out. Like, because like going out door to door still works. You say, no, no, we need to come up with some new radical way of bringing people in. No, 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 no. No, we need to get together and we need to gather around the preaching of the Word of God. We, we in America have gotten to a point to where we've removed ourselves from the importance of the preaching and the declaration of the Word of God. And the reason we've gotten away from the importance of the preaching and the declaration of the Word of God is because we are coveting something that would be appeasing to our flesh and something that we would desire more. So instead of someone getting up and saying, thus saith the Lord, Lord, every time we come together, we want somebody that's going to come and give, give us what we desire in our flesh. And, and I'm telling you, you could find a church like that. But what you won't find is a church doing things, well, you know, in the way that would be pleasing to God. I, I, I'm going to get my notes. I, I wrote these things down. Um, God's way still works. I, I got some of them. Outreach still works. <laughs> just, it just does. I mean, you say, I mean, I'm not against, I, I love talking to your pastor. He's got some, he gave me some fun ideas even today, some things to think about and, 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 and just different ways in which to, uh, uh, to try to, uh, uh, to uh, just have fun. I love the game night you guys got coming up, the price is right, and that's going to be fantastic. Uh, uh, family feud is fun, too. I don't know if you've ever done that. Come on, don't act like y'all don't feud. Come on, it, it's fun in a church. We've done that before. Um, the Great Commission still works. It just does, church. We're gathering for missions. It still works for someone to go somewhere and to present the gospel in order so souls would be saved and then to disciple them in the word of God so that they may get closer to Jesus Christ. And, and, and listen, it still works. I forgot baptism. Baptism in the middle of that, okay? It still works. It does. Uh, come on, we, we get to a point, and Christians have gotten to the point where they think, all right, well, what worked for Grandpa, well, it just doesn't work today. I, I'm telling you, if it worked for great-grandpa, and it was in the Word of God, yeah. it still works today. It absolutely does. The, the authority of the church still works today. It It does. It's not, I mean, I'm telling you, people are getting so far away from the local church and from the authority of the church. I'm telling you, you stay under the authority of your church. You stay under the authority that God has put over you as a child. Stay under the authority that God has put over you in your life. It's a safety net for you as a child of God. Stay under the spiritual authority that God has put over you. It is a safety net for you. God has a design for you and a desire for you that you would be safe there. Listen, authority still works. It does. Uh, the Spirit of God still works. Without men doing all crazy things to act like, well, we're going to stir up the Spirit of God. Uh, or, or we could just be of this mind, that the Spirit of God never lies against the Word of God. And we're just going to stick with the Word of God. And just trust that the Spirit of God's going to do its work. 
It's not my job. I didn't. I, I, I honestly, I came here, and I hope I, I hope the preaching has stirred your heart, but not because I've been so dynamic, but but because the Spirit of God stirs within you. Say, we, no, we can do more. We, we can do something more this year. We can do better this year. We can reach out to. We can communicate better with our missionaries. We can we can minister better to our missionaries. We can we can do more ministry in our outreach in our own town, however it might be. The word of God still works, and ultimately, I put this one last. I'll tell you what just works. It absolutely works. Faithfulness works. Amen. It just does. And churches are not built by, listen, uh, 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 by some crazy lunatic changing everything around. They're built by faithful people that just want to see God work. I, I, I have, listen, I have six sister-in-laws. I am so blessed by God to have six sister-in-laws. And I'm telling you, I could call my mother-in-law right now if she answered her phone. She probably wouldn't because she never does. But if she answered her phone, six sister-in-laws, six brother-in-laws. That's me. That's how I, I could call her. <laughs> I could say, Kay, who's your favorite son-in-law? And she would go, okay, you know you're my favorite son-in-law. She would. She, I'm telling you, she would admit it. Uh, I mean... She would absolutely admit it. You can ask my wife tomorrow. If Lord will, she'll be here. She would say, nope, my husband is my, wife, my mother's favorite son-in-law. You, you know why? It's not, I, I, I mean, I, I mean, maybe I'm the best looking. I mean, there's never been a vote, but I mean, maybe. Um, it, it, and it's not, it, it's not for any other reason than I haven't been a knucklehead. Six brother-in-laws. And at some point in time, and their marriage to my mother-in-law's little girls, they've been complete knuckleheads. Many of them haven't been faithful to the Lord in different ways. And, and, and here a couple years ago, it's just like, my, mother, my mother-in-law told me, she's like, she's like, as long as you don't screw this up, you're my favorite. I, I'm telling you. You say, it's because you're spectacular. No. It's just because I, I, I just was faithful. I wasn't doing some knucklehead thing out here. I just, I was loving my wife and my kids and providing for them. It was real hard, really hard. And I'm telling you, church, listen, your missionaries need to find you faithful. They don't need you wandering off into some kind of idolatry, desiring to have more. They need you to just determine, you know what, God's enough. God's enough. We came and we heard the word of God and the spirit of God met with us and ministered to us and, and, and the choir sang and the spirit of God ministered to us and, and we gathered around the truth of God's word and, and I'll tell you, it's enough. And when the things that God has outlined for us to do are not enough, it is not because there's a problem with them. It is because we have fallen into this idolatry. And the byproduct of our idolatry, our covetousness, is going to lead us to a point of dissatisfaction with God. Church, listen, the greatest things, the greatest thing that you can do to remember your missionary is to covet the things that God has for you in His Word. And to covet to fulfill, listen, you should covet to fulfill the Great Commission to the best of your ability as a body.
which means you're going to have to covet as a home and as a family to fulfill the Great Commission in your home to the best of your ability. And we all have different ability. I, I understand. I fully acknowledge that. Fully acknowledge that. I, I'm dealing with a 70-year-old father who's finding out there's some things he cannot do any longer. And that's just a fact of life. But I'm telling you, every, every, every beat of his heart, every prayer that he prays, I have no doubt about it, is that the church is going to move forward, that souls are going to be saved, and, and, and listen, that the work of God is going to move forward. I mean, I'm just telling you, uh, even in the things, that, I mean, he still does a ton, but even in the things, he always thinks he doesn't do anything. But I'm just telling you, his world just revolves around, well, what, what's God want us to do as a church? It just does. Make sure that in your heart, God is enough. And don't find yourself desiring the things that, that would be of, a, 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 of your own flesh or things that would be of this world. Listen, let God be enough and let God be glorified in His church. Your way and your lust cannot determine God's will. His word and His spirit have to determine His will. And His spirit will never lie against his word God's enough sell that in your heart and live that in your life God is enough let's have our heads